Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is part two of our conversation that we had about reading hot sign and how much sign is enough to set up on. In the last episode, we talked about early season and into the mid season. We kind of left off at about the October 15th to 20th time frame. And then in this episode, we pick back up there. So we talk about what we're looking for in late October and into the month of November. The reason that we decided to talk about this is because we're always talking about looking for a hot sign. That can mean a lot of different things throughout the season. The best way to get better at reading sign is just to get experience in the field, but in this conversation, we're just talking about experiences that we've had reading different sign and what the outcome of those hunts were. So hopefully you can take something away from this conversation and put it to use in your strategy this fall. We also, at the beginning, have a little bit of fun talking about wine tasting. So. Left it in there, just thought it was kind of funny, so hope you guys enjoy that. Before we get into the podcast, wanted to let you guys know that we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. As you guys know, social media is always censoring hunters and anglers, and sometimes that's pretty frustrating. So Go Wild started a free social media community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock cool rewards as well, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and a whole lot more. So if you want to create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. And all you got to do is visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. So you may have heard that we just recently released the new Bear THP Adapt Bow. We're all really excited about it. We love how it turned out. And they're now available online and at pro shops across the country. The bow's 32 inches axle to axle. It's got a speed of 320 feet per second. The draw length is adjustable from 24 inches to 31 inches. It's got a brace height of 6.5 inches and a let off of 80%. The bow is also very affordable, which was one of our main goals. You can get it on Bear's website right now for $479.99. And if you're buying the bow from their website, we can help save you 10% off of the bow or any Bear equipment for that matter if you use the code THP10. So if you're in the market for a new bow, check out the Bear THP Adapt on beararchery.com. All right, let's talk about reading sign in late October and into the rut. Do your woodpecker, Jake. It's <laughs> great for your teeth out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. What's that mocha coffee <laughs> like? Is it, does it any count? Let's have a once. Just kind of tastes a little weird, but. You won't want You won't like it more. Let me have a gander once. <laughs> Go right ahead. It's just like. Let me see what you got here. I mean, it's just. It's like my coffee. It's flat. Like <laughs> It's flat. Like a Dr. Pepper gets flat. <laughs> Yeah, that's abysmal. Mm-hmm. It really cooled it down, though, quite a bit. It did. Uh, the coffee was Jake, he's one to put some dairy products amongst his coffee. <laughs> 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 I'm joking from, on it. From Wisconsin, <laughs> what do you expect? You got me some dairy in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. I kept Wisconsin. waiting for you to ask for some of that cheese I was eating on earlier. I kept looking I at you. It. I was going to offer you some. It was good. Do you, do you like eating cheddar cheeses like right off the block? Say I, do I'll eat cheddar cheese on stuff, but I won't eat che- uh, just cheese by itself unless we're doing. I was having just done, on uh, chips. Wine tastings with Crystal because she likes doing mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah. And but the best ones would go to are the cheese tastings. 
Because you get into some really I mean, weird. I'll tell you what, wine tasting's fun, tasting's fun, but your cheese tasting. <laughs> I get pretty silly on that wine. <laughs> Man, you talk about feeling good. Uh-huh. Oh, feel great for a couple hours, and then the next morning when you wake up after a night of cannonball drinking, it's like, <laughs> oh, you, know how to you like need to go the, to the hospital. Do you know how to do like the? I don't know. They call it like chuckling or whatever. Cannonball. No, it's like whatever you do with the. Let's see. Gargling? No, yeah. People do that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tasting wine? Yeah, when they're tasting yeah, that. that. I don't like that. I, it's like, I don't oh. know how to. I don't. I, I was a fan of anything. like get you some of that real cheap Boone's Farm and get it yeah. as cold as you can mm-hmm. and drink it as fast as you can, or get them big cannonballs of sangria. Oh yeah. But you can lean over like this and you can look at uh-huh. you. Oh God, that's good. <laughs> and it makes you slapping that bag. Boy. Yeah, slap the bag. Oh God, that sangria, a boy. That gallon of sangria. Man, that's, that's good. That's great for dangerous. floating too, because it just—it's in a bag. So oh, it's man. like. Here you go, 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 go. Yeah, it's great. It makes you so happy. Hey, before you get you some of this, just slap it really hard. It makes you so happy, dude. But the next Fires everybody up. Yeah. The next day, it is it is so awful. Oh yeah, like, terrible. You feel so no. terrible, so especially a river trip where you go early in the morning. Then you do that. Then you just like you're asleep by like six o'clock. That's the way to do it. Then you just sleep like right through the whole thing or try to. I gotta take this. Our gutterman. Oh, time out. Ted's gotta talk to the gutterman. Tio, Tio. Slap the bag. Hello, this is Ted Zangerly. All right, what are we talking about? Part part two of finding sign throughout the season and what it means and also many a side tangents. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> so we might start off on one topic and it might be six or seven and other next ones. thing you know, we're on a full-length story going down a different direction. It's like, wait, what were we talking about? Lead us off here. Just get a topic. What do you... What do you what sign. Comes to mind? When talking about sign throughout the season, we kind of made it up to like the October time frame. Mm-hmm. So through that, yeah, we made it through early October yeah. basically on the podcast previous. Yeah. So let's say we're getting into November, first <clears throat> of November. When are y'all uh, like making a uh, conscious effort to switch from searching for like sign where you're looking for like maybe where they're hitting a food source more? A more of like rutting activity sign where you go from you know scrapes yeah checking for scrapes and, and things of that nature looking for does mm-hmm. i think late when, october like, do y'all make that november. conscious that conscious effort or are you going and just when you see it happen then you just kind of go with it i don't really know uh kind of a progression that leads to that i think it can vary I, from year to year so you just kind of got to. i mean it's always within a week of each other but it could be you know like this year we just had that crazy cold front late October and we're just like got on several bucks that were locked down with does where yeah. we hadn't got on a bunch of bucks during that time. I mean, you know, it happens, but you know, kind of I looking for areas where that might happen and finding it more, more so than my, I figured we would. We don't, we kind of, I mean, sign's still important in the rut, but like we're almost bouncing around trying to find hot dough mm-hmm. or trying to find the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying so, to find spots where it makes sense that a buck would want to push a doe to be left alone by yeah. other deer. Yeah. Well, like they take them to some weird spots. Like there's it a, seems like it's, that's their number one priority is wanting to get them away from I think we should back up a little bit, though, because the last one we kind of stopped in the middle of the month. Yeah, I agree. So 
Which and we didn't really. Frame, what would you be referring to? I'd say October twentieth was yeah, where I we, would want to pick. We didn't really like talk. We, we talked a up. lot about sign and feeding sign in the last one, and rubs and early season and that sort of thing. But we haven't gotten into scrapes much. Yeah, and, that's and it seems I feel like, like we should talk about. mid to late October. We're really transitioning to scrapes. Yeah. I mean, with cameras and things. And and you're still incorporating bedding, feeding. Yeah. You're just trying to find. I always think of it as if you find an area that just has a whole bunch of does, there's generally a high odds one of those is going to be in heat early in in the in the rut, so in the late October time frame. And like generally in those places, it seems like r- scrapes really start to pop up where there's a bunch of deer just. You know? And I'm I'm not so sure. This is kind of an interesting deal that I saw last year, um, and this even happened on that buck that Sean and I got in the swamp a few years ago mm-hmm. it's like as the month progresses on and you start running into if you find like a pile of real fresh scrapes on the outside of a bedding area there might be several bucks that just moved in there mm-hmm. because there's a doe that might be thinking about coming in a little bit earlier than the rest of them yeah like that's in not some a, cases i think that, that that bucks if they get old enough they know certain areas that a doe might be coming into heat in a certain area where that that's why you see them kind of loop back through an yep. area like during a certain three-day time period during that time of year like i can think of deer and you hear people talk about it quite a bit especially people that hunt like more private lands it's like there's a deer that moves through this area during this couple day time frame and he only does it or like that's the first time he does it all fall and maybe he'll stick around and maybe he'll only do it during that couple day time frame well that's what happened last year with that buck we killed down on the farm yeah um my stepbrother went up there behind the house there at the farm, you know where the food plot is, mm-hmm. um, and that double set or that double ladder stand or whatever that buddy stand in that big oak. Yeah. My stepbrother went up there and hunted. What was that? The night of the fourteenth. It was the might have been the fourteenth or the fifteenth of October. He saw two does, and the scrapes were not opened up. He did not see a lot of scraping sign. Twenty days before that is when you were there. We went the next day. The next day. Yeah. Me and Miles went up there the next day, and and on my way to the farm with Miles, I called Dad, and I'm like, has anybody been back here? He's like, Travis went back here yesterday. Travis is my stepbrother. Uh And I was like, oh, where'd he sit? He's like, he sat in the double ladder, and he didn't see much. So I was kind of bummed. I was like, well, if he was up here last night and didn't see much, I'm not expecting to run into much tonight, you know. Um, And we got up there, and we're walking to that ladder, and there's a fresh scrape in the edge of the food plot. I'm like, he told Dad he didn't see much for sign. And I walked by the 10 yards, and there's another fresh scrape. And then I walked up to that oak tree, and there's always a scrape right underneath it um, at some point in the fall. It's like a community scrape mm-hmm. that they just religiously work every year at some point. And you can tell they're all from, like, the, the That the thing had but, pee in it. Yeah. It was it had just been smoked, yeah. and it had pee in it. And I was like, Miles, we better get in this tree. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but... There's some fresh sign right here. And, a buck here this morning. And it's either Travis didn't see, which I bet you he did. He would have checked that scrape 100% before he got in that stand. Um, and well, if you're saying it's still moist, like it was nah, you yeah. sure from you know what, I the think what Travis was doing, he'd say, no, it was dead in there, boy. <laughs> no, he <laughs> saw that big one about 80 Honestly, yards out. Yeah. Said, hey, the thing is, there. is, there's a trail camera down that food plot, and that food plot's as wide as this kitchen where that camera's at. So if anything walks through there, you're going to get it on the camera. He was on there the night that you shot him. Did he walk past it? He walked by it 10 minutes before I shot him. Uh-huh. We had not had a picture of him on that camera for three months, uh-huh. since August. I guess 
well, no, that'd be two months, September, October. Yeah, two months. He he was on there the last time in mid, in early August in Velvet, and then the next time was the night that I killed him. And I think this is just speculation, but it goes back to what you're just saying. I think what happened was he and a few other bucks moved in there overnight, and there was a doe or two that they're interested in they're getting close or something getting closer or they're maybe they're just making their rounds and they yeah. just wound up in that area but we saw seven bucks uh-huh. including the one i killed and the night before that travis saw zero it was the exact same conditions and everything and people look at the weather and do all this <laughs> stuff and it's like i think those bucks just showed up uh-huh. i think they're probably in the general area they've been staying somewhere else but as you know in september and october five days is a long time they could change completely what they're doing in four or five yeah, days for whatever and whatever reason it doesn't matter the reason whether right. they're shifting a food source or something like they were hanging out somewhere and somebody bumped them so they're looking for somewhere yep. else i think we just caught them as soon as they made the shift so but, what day was that when you shot that one up there um in 2018 that was like october 23rd or 24th so pretty close to so the it was a week later time. but it was a similar time frame Mm-hmm. And that those scrapes, on the same deal that day. I got up, up there and they were ripped, and yeah. he came right to them. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that I think basically from like the twentieth until really through the first week of November, if you're finding just shredded scrapes that are big, there's a lot of times there's a hot doe close or real or well, one's already starting to tend to one, and other bucks are around, and it's just starting to get crazy. And then it's almost like. So I think one reason that somebody would prefer to hunt the first week of November is just that if you can find that first doe, it's one of the craziest times to be hunting in that. We've seen that like the last few days of October into the first week of November, about right. November 6th. And you see the craziest stuff happen, but then it kind of you know gets to more the middle of the month and it seems like more bucks are with those. It's not as crazy. And then it happens again late in, mm-hmm. in the rut, you know, where crazy stuff happens, mm-hmm. but... It seems like the scrapes will really tell you a lot about it. And also, big, I remember us talking about this in Pennsylvania, big, aggressive scrapes yep. where it's like three under a tree. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, he's just or like, you just get on a line of them. Me and Gooch came around the bend, and that spot you guys hunted and saw a bunch of big ones uh, in early November when we were in Indiana last year, and you guys were back home. And uh, I think you got on numerous shooters in that one bottom. Well, me and Gooch were up on that road the week before that, driving which, which in. Which is this? Huh? Where are you talking about? This is somewhere we hunted last yes. year? Yes. You guys had camera, cameras in there. And while we were in Indiana, his phone's blowing up with pictures uh-huh. of these big ones on these cameras. Uh-huh. Um, do you know where I'm talking about? Yeah. It wasn't you and Gooch, though. That's my bill. It's confusing you. I think you said oh, you yeah. and Gooch. It wasn't me and Gooch. It was me and Roy or me and Benjamin. Uh-huh. Um, we went in there on like the 23rd or the 24th for a morning hunt and we were driving down that road that dirt road and we came around a bend and there was a huge buck standing in the edge of the road with his head up in the branches and he didn't even pay no attention to us like we drove right up to him and eventually he turned and looked at us and then walked in the woods and we're like holy crap that thing was working a scrape in the edge of the road so we we like looked at where he was at we pulled down the road a little ways we decided to go hunt a different area that morning and then come back to the road. And when we came back to the road, we went up there and there was like five scrapes in a row right where he was standing. And this was an hour and a half before daylight. But he was going into public. 
So since it was daylight and the wind was up now, we started, we started going into the timber in the direction that he went. And every 20 or 30 yards, there was a mega scrape. He literally, and we, went, we eventually bumped him because I just got a little too aggressive. But I, I didn't feel too bad about it because I felt like we learned a tremendous amount. That buck was at that scrape on the road at an hour and a half before daylight. And he went about 700 yards until he bedded in a thicket down closer to the river and every 30 yards there was a fresh scrape he literally walked from that spot we saw him to his bed in an hour and a half and he was smoking those scrapes yeah. the whole way there there was a fresh and a fresh one 30 yards from where he was bedded and like i wanted to just keep going because i knew he had to be there yeah. somewhere i didn't know exactly where this was not far from an access either uh -huh. but what i think's going on there is that thing is just moving into that area or, you know, maybe he's making a loop. He hasn't been there in six or seven days, and he's moving. Something's holding him up, yeah, though. And he, like, I think a lot of those those areas that they start making those scrapes on, they're just, they find an area where something's going on with the doe. Like we yeah, said, it's like, fired up. yeah, they're walking it. Okay, so imagine it with a, a pretty simple edge. It's like he's coming from a, a food source, like a field, like a cut cornfield or whatever, and he walks that transition of the timber in the field and then he smells where a doe is like getting close to coming into heat yeah and he's hits that scrape and then he's just going to keep hitting it to check her out till she yeah. comes in and then it could be bucks too mm -hmm. um multiple you mean because what those mature bucks are doing in by about the middle of september through the middle of october they start breaking up a little bit mm -hmm. and becoming more territorial and then you find them sometimes you find them just solitary off by themselves where they're not moving real far they're kind of in their little safe zone but then as their testosterone's going up and the months progressing on they start making these loops and as they're making those loops looking for does they're also running into other bucks and you know what they do like if they're walking along and they run into another buck they start scraping they start mm -hmm. rubbing you know just because they're encountering more deer uh -huh. as they're moving about the landscape they weren't even looking for those deer two weeks ago and now they're out and they're they're actively trying to keep tabs on the, uh, the deer within their area mm -hmm. and they're opening those things up. But I don't, I never thought about it that way until we talked to those guys at Mississippi state when they were showing the bedding areas and like how a buck will use a bedding area two or three times a week. And then he'll bounce to another part of the property and use another one for a day. And then he'll go to another one for a day, you know, and that buck may be living on the same property. Mm -hmm. He may just not be on that particular trail or lot, scrape line that you're hunting that day. And I think it depends so much too, like on the, the scale of, of everything. Cause it's just like, they may, you know, you hear about guys running trail cameras like in the Northeast and they don't get a buck, but like every five days, six yeah. days. And it's like, you know, that's just a bigger scale loop or whatever that, cause there's less deer up there. Like they're just making that, Yep. you know, and, and when you got a higher concentration, it seems like you can find that, just yeah. higher concentration of sign, I guess. It seems like the bigger a buck gets, you hear a lot of people talk about how their core kind of shrinks down most times. It's just like they find a couple spots that work really well for them where they don't run into a lot of issues, and if they do, they can like they know they can escape, and it just keeps working for them, so they keep mm -hmm. going back to these couple spots, it seems like, a lot of times. Yeah. What do you guys, like, when you're seeing a scrape, like, does, does size... I know tracks in a scrape matter, but like, does does it make a difference to you if there's 
three spots around the tree versus one or you know a scrape like this with a big track in it versus you know a really big scrape with a big track like how does that differ what would you say is the ideal because to me it's it's bigger is better big licking branches bro like just if it's big i mean it definitely is is better looking to me and more exciting than just something smaller it seems like I guess what I think of when I think of bigger is just, like, there's definitely several bucks. Like, there's more bucks using this than a smaller one. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes those smaller ones are, is maybe just uh, you're following a specific deer maybe back to where he's betting at that time. Like, there's bucks bedded all over the place, but they're coming out, you know, to this field edge at night where there's this huge scrape. Mm-hmm. I, like the, I like the scrape lines leading back to areas that I know bucks bed in. You know, you get to, mm-hmm. you know, your field corner, big, huge scrape, you know, there's going to be one there then you just basically walk the line towards where you've spooked deer or bucks in the past that time of year and if it's if it's hot with sign then you hunt it and you kind of know how close to get and yeah if, it's just knowing that bedding not, previously yeah that was the problem with when i spooked that buck is yeah. i had never been in there mm-hmm. so like we're going along and in hindsight i should have just set up about halfway down the trail on like the 20th scrape that i came across because <laughs> it's just i don't know if i'd have been close enough to kill him or not but you don't have to necessarily spook the deer either, I don't think. I think especially if you scout, like, when all the foliage is off the trees, I mean, you can go to walk a field perimeter. Oh, there's a huge scrape here. I'm just going to follow a sign back to, you know, some dense cover close by, and then you get into the dense cover, and that's usually where the deer start bedding. So you get in there and see how close you can get without them seeing you, and I the, mean, that's your starting point at least. The good thing with scrapes is often it will put them on the spot. Mm-hmm. Like when they come, when, yeah, when you set archery. up, yeah, for bow hunting especially. Mm-hmm. When you set up over one and you have that buck come out of that bedding, there's a real good chance he's going by I'd say it. if possible, there's very few times where we're not trying. I mean, a scrape is more ideal than a rub for me if I'm going to yeah. set up. But, I mean, almost every time we set up, we're probably not even stopping until we at least find a rub to set up within range of. At least I'm not. I mean, unless I'm just seeing, like, real big fresh tracks or something. During or this just time of the year, you trail, yeah. I would say. Like, if yeah. you see a big divot in the ground with a bunch of fresh tracks yeah. on it. Well, that's what we talked about last time, though, is every once in a while, you don't have that. Yeah. Right. You just got to, and, like, but, sometimes but I would say, it's... I would say more often, though... I think you would agree that in November, yeah, or late October, November, it sign it's, is you, super it's, important. It's more important even than now. To answer your October. question, I ain't worried about how big it is, but I'm worried about the amount of aggression that they used yeah. in it. So if it's powdered dirt, uh-huh. and you can you can visualize that big buck standing there and just whoo, uh-huh. because looking back at all the trail camera videos that we've got over the years. A two-year-old buck comes up there. He works his head up in the branch. He kind of sounds fun. For he kind of like, oh, there's a little bit here, you know, whatever. And then old Mac Daddy comes well, in there. He's got all of his hair standing up. On oh his yeah. Neck and his ears and when, are he, back. when he goes <laughs> up to that, here. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're saying, yeah, and he. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He's, Just got, he's pissing all over himself, you know. He's yeah. But it, to your point, he gets his head up in the in that licking branch and he just smokes it. Uh-huh. I'm more concerned about how fresh it is. Yeah. Than the scrape in general. Like the scrape could be pretty big, but if it's not 
Yeah. If it hasn't been just a lot of times warped. if you look at a scrape, you can kind of paint a picture of what the deer was doing while he made it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if there's maybe it's not even a big scrape, but it's from last night and he's just like ripped the grass up a little bit, but it's fresh and you can tell it's all just been ripped up and everything's moist. It's like, oh, he's just walk, power walking his way down this edge. Like every licking branch, he's just fired up, scraping on Yeah, it. I mean, he's hitting it twice on this hoof mm -hmm. and he's hitting it twice on this one. You can actually see That's where the dirt like has flung we back. To where you eventually ended up seeing that same eight pointer we did this year. Yeah. It's just like blitz with fresh like it, i wouldn't say until we got further back in there it was like there was really big scrapes that had been working for a while but when we were walking in there it's like one was here like this morning maybe in daylight and like he just ripped this whole edge up and it's like real thick on the private next door so we couldn't really get any closer but like there's probably one at least one in there mm -hmm. for sure good thing with hunt the the issue with hunting them is that you have a very narrow window like that um when you can find a lot of them. You yeah. can find those same scrapes early season. Yeah. We didn't really touch on that much last time. They're there in some cases, but it's not near as prevalent. Like once you get to the latter half of October, like past the 15th and the 20th, all the way to Halloween, and or even the first couple of days of November, when you find a pile of those things, yeah. you know you're you're talking that's good heavy sign yeah. and there's a there's a real good chance and we've killed numerous bucks right over them yeah where they just come right to the scrape but at the same time we've also walked miles and miles and miles looking for that sign at the end of the month and not I'm really found there. exactly what we're looking for yeah like and i've set up on i did the same thing last year uh, a couple of days before we saw that big buck working on the work on that scrape line hunted nearby there a uh, mile from it back to the east i guess and we had worked a transition down and we found we found a few scrapes and a few rubs and some feeding sign but the scrapes were like meh they were like little scrapes where they they hadn't been just smoked the licking branches it wasn't super fresh and it wasn't super aggressive it was just like you know meh sign uh -huh. and we saw a bunch of does and a two-year-old buck and we didn't see any big bucks and then two days later, we we found that one buck in the in the headlights. He was in front of us making that scrape, and then we followed literally 40 scrapes back to where he was bedded that were just absolutely destroyed. That buck I killed that uh, in western Wisconsin, it was the same deal as, like, he was, there was, I knew there was bucks bedding in this clear cut just because, like, we walked it that winter and just found a bunch of sheds in there, a bunch of bedding sign from the, the prior fall. And nobody really hunted there the whole year so i went up in there and i was just set up on a logging trail where i was it seemed like i was following a buck back you know that morning like it was that fresh of sign like moist scrapes leading right into where i know that they was it now was that just like straight up the nose of a ridge and right yeah right, went right up over the nose and then you know right where the secondary kind of plays out is kind of over the ridge i mean it's western wisconsin so it's like those steeper hills where it's just like they're gonna bed up towards that top it seems like and you sat with him being below you yeah he was okay. right over the ridge and he just came right I, up. I, I i assume and like after shooting him he ran back the same path that i saw him coming down like that whole logging trail he walked in that morning like you're describing like every you know like there wasn't a scrape there before but very fresh from that morning and then when he was coming back he just like took the same logging trail out that night and it was like I, I think I filmed him make like three or four scrapes as he was coming in, just moving real slow. He's not covering a bunch of ground like you're saying, but like he's like laying down a bunch of sign real close yeah. to where his bedding area is. And, and there's that was like and October twenty third. Sometimes there can be a bunch of sign like that, and there's not a bunch of bucks. Yeah, it's it was, just one. Yeah, just him. I mean, and that goes in contrast to what we were saying on the last 
uh, episode where like in the buck nest in early October, mm-hmm. there's 150 rubs out there uh-huh. and there's 15 bucks in the same bedding area. Yeah. But it just kind of depends on the situation as you get later in the month, especially with the mature bucks, they just have, they got a different mentality about them. Like they are starting to think about breeding and finding does and it's just i mean looking at that sign you can just tell if it's super aggressive behavior that there's a good chance it's an older buck Mm -hmm. that's doing that in late october anyway that's what i think Mm -hmm. what do you think t um i would keep thinking about the time when logan and i were hunting this was like middle of november and there was all these scrapes in the line and right when we popped up there there was like three young bucks just going crazy and hitting them and uh so we got set up there and then throughout the course of the night just like kept getting bigger bucks coming in there just like going right to those scrapes um did you eventually see like the hog with a doe in there yeah Yeah. i've seen that same thing that was something i was going to bring up a while ago um was you can't discount scrapes in the middle of the rut because what will happen in high density areas is a mature buck the dominant buck will get the doe and then surrounding him will be all these satellite bucks Mm -hmm. and that's what they're doing yeah they're walking around rubbing and scraping because they're all keyed up but they can't go in there and get her because he's defending her is that what you're thinking of i think during that time of year you could get i mean they're all the deer just following a scent trail really yeah so if you're on fresh sign like all those other deer and then there might be a bigger one that's about to come kick his ass and Uh, take the deal from him so like being on that spot you know that a buck and maybe a big one from a big track or something like was there within the last yeah. four. It seems like that's what I was thinking about. Just talking about scrapes and that time of year. It's like, in my experience, I don't feel like a lot of times I'm hunting over a scrape that time of year. A lot of times hunting over like where they're going to travel through, mm-hmm. but just being on that spot where they're all coming to those scrapes and hitting them. And it was like that day we got there like middle of the day and those small bucks were hitting them. And then, throughout the course of the night the bucks just kept getting bigger and then you and me went in there the next day and before before yeah before it even got light a buck was coming right to that scrape and going to hit it again but then we didn't see much after that but it was just like that half of the day before and then that morning they were all coming to hit that one mm-hmm. and it is like you're saying it that doesn't it doesn't last near as long as what you think like maybe that next morning you'll get some activity yeah. but those deer have already moved and they're probably just all depends on where the does at yeah if there's you know. enough bucks around they're just going to keep having to move because i mean mm-hmm. that's what they do they get up and run around and all of a sudden she's like i don't like this and then that's when you see them taking off across fields and doing yeah. a bunch of weird stuff in the middle of the day Seems they like definitely do lay them down though you hear a lot about that like in the middle of the rut how they won't scrape and that's not my, my experience that happened to me and slinging rick that's the the day that we were talking about last time where I couldn't get set up in the tree and the yeah. one came by, later that day we went into those ridges and we were easing down the point of a ridge about one in the afternoon and I found a fresh scrape and then another one like 20 yards away and we're like, we better set up. So we crawled up a tree and on the way up the tree I made a bunch of noise getting the stand hung because it was an oak with a bunch of little branches and leaves on it. Pretty calm and stuff. Yep. And as soon as I made that noise within like 30 seconds, there it goes, <laughs> big buck, big buck. And he was coming right up out of the bottom to see what that noise was. Uh-huh. And we ended up, it ended up being a big buck and a doe, that buck and two other bucks. Uh-huh. And that's what was happening was 
big guy had her in the bottom right below where we had the stand hung and those other ones were just running those that rim and they were working scrapes and occasionally they'd dive down in there and then he'd push them out you know uh-huh. so but nick the really all this being said the dream is is you find the big buck with the dough and everything's gonna be fun the end of the day during the rut if you find the dough but but i will say in in like a lot of my late october all the way till you know gun season shuts off the rut in my experience in the best times i've had and it doesn't it happens usually like once a year as you find a spot with just an insane amount of smoke and hot sign and everything else is dried up like some scrape lines that you maybe saw you know the middle of october yeah they're kind of leafed over and they're not really you know the rubs are dried up uh food sources have kind of shifted but like all of a sudden i think the one i really think of is the timber nest and that was kind of mid-november when we were in there in 16 like everything on the walk back is just dead walk through like a mile and a half of just open timber and you get back to that very back ridge and it was rubs and scrapes everywhere just tore up super fresh everything was super fresh but it was very local yeah but then like on the other hand um in 2018 um where I ended up shooting the buck with Logan, but saw the ones with you guys yeah. the same day. Um, that was the same deal where there's just tons of sign. It was all right there in that one pocket. And it's like, you can just cover a whole bunch of ground. And that's, that's I feel like what we do quite a bit throughout that whole time frame is just looking for where there's Yeah, and that I don't wheel. know that it's necessarily like, there's a doe that's in heat right now. But it could close. be a situation where there's numerous does in that right. area right. and several of them are within a week or two and they're just like and the bucks are going to move in there they're in there the they're moving in there more and more every day until tabs on it. yeah and like that we ran into that with that decoy buck a few years ago like i don't know that there was a single doe in there that was in heat but there was so many does that were in that one little bedding area mm-hmm. the bucks were just swooping in and out of that thing non-stop yeah, same with her you killed that one with logan and it was just like oh i don't know that one's hot in here but in a couple of days it, it's, it's gonna too be wild in here for there not to be something i mean more that yeah. was a situation where going on with him from so i think the first day we hunted it we saw the buck we called devil bean out of the canoe yeah and that was like the 27th i think uh, yeah. and then a couple so. days went by and we didn't get to we didn't get you had a wedding or something. Mm-hmm. Was it Peyton that actually got <laughs> wedding? <laughs> it got married. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was their fall weddings. Yeah, it's in <laughs> Peyton. Peat lag hunt end of October. A bunch yeah, of crap. That was. <laughs> I remember we gave not them a, crap. Not a real friend if they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we so we didn't go back for a couple of days and then we did go back in the canoe and that buck was w- tending the doe, the the crazy looking thing. Yeah. But then it just kept getting crazier. But we did notice even on the 27th, like there was tons of deer in there. There's tons of just deer signs. So that's where almost you're looking for more just heavily used trails. And if you're seeing a lot of does, like that's, it's going to be good in yep. there at some point. So it's definitely worth keeping track. And you just keep tabs on that as you're looking for the more specific buck sign probably earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. The challenging part of that time of the year kind of late october and going into the (laughs) rut is like rubs i feel like i've always uh hunting over those has been i've had mixed results but it's 
I get confused during that time of year because there's so dang many of them mm. in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can run into rubs that were made in early September. You can run into rubs that were made in early October. You can run into rubs that were made right at Halloween. And they all mean something different because the bucks were doing something different at all of those times. You can't just take the rub for face value. You know, you got to be able to realize what when it was laid down. Like if it was laid down in the first week of November, it's probably cruising movement or it could be a satellite buck around mm-hmm. other bucks, yep. you know, that are working through the area looking for a doe uh-huh. it's it, that's what gets confusing to me i guess is trying to decipher what the heck those things mean and scrapes are much easier for me to yeah. i feel like i have an easier time figuring them out because if i run into a bunch of those big really really fresh smoking hot scrapes that's usually what happens is it's a buck that's on a line going to bedding uh-huh. or vice versa and then he's coming back up that thing yeah, yeah it's kind of like because I does go to those scrapes and they leave their scent right there in those in those licking branches in in the scrape itself mm-hmm. i don't I'm know always, that they do that as much with rubs i always yes I, I agree i always think of a scrape as like an intersection of trails because it's where the does are going on a line i mean it's just a dumb and occasionally version. you see like a rub tree with a limb a scraping limb That's off right. of it yeah you see yeah <laughs> that's a great point yeah i mean there's all sorts of ways they can lay that sign now but but i like i like in in the rut looking at a scrape line as an intersection of doe trails and like to to dumb that down again it's like you think of that field you think of that timber line where they meet you know does are just going from point a to point b Point A being the timber to the food source, point B. Then they go back. And if a buck goes perpendicular to that, he's hitting all of their trails going in and he's scraping. They're all, that's just their form of scent communication, right? It's like he, they're all stamping their spot there. And if it's fresh, he's probably habitually doing it, right? He might have done it this morning like we've used in some of these examples or maybe, you know, the last few days. So it's like, you know. If, he, if it's fresh, he's, he's habitually checking those does in that area. Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if it's a thing where they're even just like, they're kind of running these circuits, you know. They got, they're got they looking for the first hot doe, and they're just like, all right, there's one in here that's going to come in, and I don't know how well they can tell within the next two or three days. I wonder if they just hang they out know. there, and then, like, when that's done, if they don't win, they get pushed on, and they just start running the Probably new circuit. Probably individual. It's yeah. probably individual because, and and density, right? Because I think of a place like where we were talking about the canoe one, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, in 2018. It's like, you know, there's so many deer in there that it just is like they don't have to go very far to even find another doe that might mm-hmm. be close. Yeah. There was tons of deer in there. But then, like, we use the example of, like, the northeast earlier where it's, you know. Lower mm-hmm. density, so they travel. They got to so travel more. Yeah. So their, their loops probably are a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And you hear guys say that a lot, but like, especially with still, trail cameras. Yeah, you can still define those loops if, you, if you're on the sign, I'd imagine, mm-hmm. relatively, relatively easy, maybe. Yeah. I can't say I haven't done it. So. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like to me is whenever you're running cameras over scrapes in late October, you may, or mid-October even, you may get random bucks that show up on that scrape at three in the morning. Yeah. You know, he may be living across the road most of the year, but he's making one loop through there. He's not, he's not your resident mature buck, but he is, 
you know, one that's traversing a long distance because they all have different personalities. There's no one size fits all really for a buck, like the guy said at Mississippi State. But I mean, you see that in the rut, you may you may see that resident big deer that you've been getting pictures of all year, but then all of a sudden this stranger buck that you were getting at four in the morning, he shows up on the 10th of November with a doe or whatever, or maybe he's just coming through there. He made his loop. He made his loop. smell a lot better over here than I have been. I'm going to stay. I'm going to bet on this pro- like mm-hmm. this piece today instead of what I usually do. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of random movement <laughs> that occurs during that time, but scrapes are definitely a good way to follow it up. But yeah. have you guys had the same experience with rubs during that time of yeah, year? Yeah, I don't pay as much attention to the rubs unless, unless it seems like there's some... The only good rub clue I can even really remember from, from that point on is that buck that we spooked with the boat and then we just like slowly kind of hunted our way towards where we mm-hmm. last saw him. Yep. We watched that one buck like as we were getting out of the boat run right their direction. Like he was on their scent trail it seemed like. And it seemed yeah. like he came down and like was probably, you know, trying to get that doe away from that buck and he, he rubbed it like there was a, we didn't see hardly any sign really. That we made a huge loop yeah, through that like whole thing. Didn't an see any hour sign. Hour two, probably probably close to two hours. It was we probably just slowly two worked hours. our way through where we figured to be bedded, where it was thick enough. But he had her down along the edge of the lake. Because he, they spooked up to the top yeah. of the ridge, and then we kind of lost. Then we got him. back down to the next cove, like pretty similar spot to where he just had her. He just had her pinned up against that water, so he wasn't where you'd typically find a buck bedded. You know, if he wasn't with the hot doe, I don't think. You know, he's just laying right by no. the sand out there, pretty much. But you could. You could see a like a green fresh rub, and I don't know, remember what the date was on that hunt, but it was November first. November first, so yep. pretty early in the rut. But he he had followed them to where they're at, and you know it seemed like he was fired up, like maybe they even squared off at one point. But he definitely came up and rubbed that tree like right up above where they're at. We saw that rub, call mm-hmm. it like set up. Call well, it. then we spooked that satellite buck right there. Yeah, and there was a smaller buck. Yep. That's why we were like, all right, yeah. they're right here. Yeah. And we set up and called him just like immediately. He was like just where we couldn't see him the whole time. And, and that's just the got one you up and just walked Power straight at us. Bristled up like it was. It was such a realistic calling. Like it literally just happened to him where another buck was up there and he's just like, "All right, get away!" And he just like yeah. came, he's like I'm came right in, totally convinced, yeah. grunted, and he was boom. He <laughs> was walking. Made yeah. a little ground noise to convince him, probably. Yeah. But like, it, it I mean, the buck, you, the buck you shot last year yeah. though didn't take. We didn't grunt. Yeah. We were just ground moving noise. down that we edge. We yeah. He's like running in there. Yeah. That yeah. was. That was yeah, sick. Yeah, you don't that see that very. Awesome. I, I haven't seen that personally a whole lot where he they they leave so much ground between them and the doe to come check yeah. it out. That was pretty interesting about the one. One thing you I shot. was thinking about yeah. earlier too is, we you were talking about uh, calling that deer in while you're setting the tree stand up. I'd say, if you're not calling deer in every once in a while, either when you're walking around out there, or when you're setting up, you're probably being a little too loud. Because that started yeah. happening a lot more. You know, when I was younger, it's just like you're clanging metal on metal. Like, you can't be doing that type of stuff out mm-hmm. there. And if you do, you have to pause for a long time. Because, like, that's going to key a deer up. But if you're moving quiet enough and you're sounding like an animal, like, as you're moving You should woods, be calling some deer. Yeah, <laughs> like, they yeah. Should, especially that time of year. Like, they're going to come check you out. Like, all, yeah. yeah, really all the whole year. It's like, it, yeah. it happens so much. I'm, yeah, it's it's crazy how much that happens. If you can just try not to make any unnatural noises out there. If you have anything that makes metal on metal noise, get some stealth strips, some hockey tape, whatever you need, but just make sure everything's quiet. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. 
So you guys on that buck, you saw those fresh rubs uh-huh. as you were getting closer. One. Yeah. I think we saw one yeah, rub. But it was just what, like green. It was green. smoked. Yeah. It was, it was like smoked. That's the yeah. thing. That, that's tell. the key, I think. Yeah, the matter of a uh, the manner of aggression in which they lay the sign down. Uh-huh. It's like the if it is really aggressive it looking sign. It was a nice sign, buck that we saw run across that. If I don't know which yeah, buck made was. the rub, but it uh-huh. was like it was a three year old plus buck I'd say that was coming in on the buck that he shot at, which was also a, yeah not a young one. That's the cra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I set up though, like in the past, on those rubs that were just like the size of your freaking legs uh-huh. huge rubs so you know that the big boy put his head on it at yeah. some point in the last week or so mm-hmm. but yeah. i just haven't had tremendous luck yeah doing this that. one was like yeah it wasn't, it was it wasn't small, real big but remember, it was right thr- yeah it was but just that real was, fresh and, and that thrashed. was that was within yeah. 60 yards of where he was laying yeah, yeah. right then I, it so all depends was, all depends on like how close it is to the buck and where you expect him to be yeah, yeah. in that case like we knew that a buck had just ran that direction we with that doe so it was easy to visual, slow down yeah. and stop but like i guess maybe that would just just help you in that sort of situation where you maybe you've lightly bump a buck with a doe a lot of times they don't go too far it doesn't seem like no that's, especially that's, not that time yeah they're not going like, anywhere <laughs> There was that stretch where we were hunting the pin oaks where it's just like we yeah. would spook a buck that was with a doe or a couple does. We'd watch the way they'd run. You'd go to where the next thick cover is, and you just kind of hang out around the edge of that. And we, I think, like two or three times in a row, it was just like we spooked them, and you know, you just kind of still still hunt your way towards where they went. Two, three hundred. I mean, it depends. The, the range depends on when the next good cover is. Cover yeah. is, but it like definitely just like caught right back up to them that same day. Yeah, mm-hmm. like two or three times in a row. Yeah. I got some thoughts about sign that I've been pondering here. And it seems like the way my brain works anyway is you're not using sign to just set up over. You're using sign as like almost almost like clues or tools to be able to figure out the the big picture of what's going on right there in that spot. So it's like you're you're just grabbing clues to solve the mystery. That's just one, these are just pieces of the puzzle that you need to gather. So what I'm thinking when I'm finding sign, let me see if I can articulate this the right way. So I'm I'm finding sign, and if if the story that it's telling me makes sense, and I can put those clues together and form a good hypothesis on where the thing is at and what he's going to do in relation to that sign then my confidence in my what'd you call it a while ago my, my pma your pma my positive mental attitude goes way up yeah and those are the hunts when i do really good mm-hmm. yeah if if the sign makes sense to me it doesn't matter how much of it there is but like if i find a scrape in spot a along the edge of the field and i know where the bedding is back there or where the suspecting bedding is and then i find some more sign in between there in the bedding that's buck sign doe sign whatever feeding sign but the, I can piece together that story in my mind. That m- really keep, gets my confidence up that I know what's going on. And I set up and don't always work that way. Mm-hmm. You're wrong, you know, 75% of the time or whatever. But occasionally when you're right, they, they're doing exactly. Yeah. Like and I can think back to these like, bucks that I've killed yeah, in the last few years. Like, it's like they did exactly what I was thinking they were going to do you're looking, sometimes. You're from that spot you can you think you might be able to see him stand up and you think that he's hopefully like gonna come your way naturally but like i think in a lot of time in a lot of situations especially late october it's like i want to be in a spot where if one is where i think he like should be like 
I should be able to watch him stand up. If not, like see him shortly after he stands up. Yeah, you gotta here, be close. In, in like a marshy situation, or just like somewhere where they're betting in, bottom, like wetland bottom type stuff. I guess it depends on the situation, but even in a clear cut or something like that, regardless of where you're at in the country, like I think you should be able to see them shortly after they stand up because unless the weather is just mint, like they're not gonna move too far unless you, know, you get that cold front, then they're just running that circuit a little bit bigger during the late October time frame at least. Yeah. Out here. Yeah. If I can, and if I find some stuff like that, like if I find a scrape along the edge of a bean field or, or any field, uh-huh. it's real close to the parking lot, and it's getting worked, but I can't figure out in my mind like where the heck that thing was coming from and yeah. what he was doing, then I leave it, uh-huh. or I sit there and overthink it for thirty minutes and yeah. waste much well, time. Well, it's a hard thing to but, do, it's a hard thing to guess and have confidence in unless you've had an experience there in the past or at least have scouted there. For me, at least. Yeah, yeah, because like, you like, know what it's, it should look like, but it's just like, okay, here's the destination food. I mean, he it's definitely suitable for him. To, if nobody's been in here, with, especially with public land, if nobody's been here, maybe they'll be right there. But yeah. maybe somebody's been hunting this field edge, then they might be 400 yards deeper than, than you would have needed to be if nobody's been in there. It also depends on when he showed up, mm-hmm. because that's what I thought last year at Dad's. I'm like, my stepbrother was just here last night. I'm like, why the hell are these things up here mm-hmm. if he was just here? The bucks walked down, right down the middle of the lane an hour before dark, and he walked right to that scrape. Just the try thing. to have the best understanding of what, like, very fresh sign looks like. And, yeah. The know, thing in both of those hunts, there. though, at the farm over those scrapes was, like, those scrapes gave me so much confidence. When yeah. I saw those bucks, I was not rushed to do anything. I was, like, I was self-filming both times, so I was already having to be pretty conservative if I was trying to get them on video, then they pretty much had to read the script completely. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, as soon as they popped out, I'm like, they're 50 yards away, but I'm in no rush whatsoever Uh because those suckers are going to end up in that scrape. No matter what happens here, if if these deer don't get spooked, he's going to be standing there working that scrape, and I'm going to have time to draw back and get the perfect opportunity uh-huh. so that whole time that's going through my mind and that's exactly how it played out um but that's that, probably just having a lot of experience hunting that area though too it's like yeah no, but to your, what the sign looks like oh, okay they're here they just showed up today I, I, mean, know, I know this is okay this is far this is far enough mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a part because i've been thinking since we've started talking about this so okay we talked about the story earlier where we go running in and maybe it was in the other part. I, I honestly, they're kind of blended together. But the the one prior to this, where we were not taking it seriously, we were going to go back and glass at the spot where Ted and Zip killed the buck couple, the yeah, next yeah. couple of years. Yeah. And we bumped the buck. Well, the reason that I never trusted that sign. I was the same your, way. Yeah. We were both bold up. <laughs> but <laughs> well, like the, but the reason the, the reason that I never took that seriously is exactly like what you had said about. I could never visualize where they were actually even coming from. It seemed like if they were making that sign, even if they were making that sign, they had to have been coming from. That's a great point. A That's exactly way. what I was saying. I didn't actually believe that they because could be because there was nothing thick yards. anywhere close. It's like wide open woods. But but fast forward to when they killed one, we see where they come from and how they come from a thick spot that is closer than we thought it would be to the field. But they trust it, so whatever. And then the one you shot last year, he mm-hmm. was. Down he on was those ridges. Just on those ridges. So now, if I ever see scrapes in that spot again, it's going to be like, yo, they could be right there or right there. Let's just be right here. And, yeah. it, and it. That's what that's what your point, though, Jake. Like, over time, you kind of see the different situations <laughs> yeah. that these bucks bed in. 
And that was our initial hypothesis or guess, if you will, was that, okay, here's a scrape right here. Way the there. closest remote bedding is a half a mile from here. When in fact, the closest buck bedding is 100 yards one way and it's 150 yards the other way. Mm -hmm. Like it, they're not far from those yeah. scrapes. But and we it just, ain't far from the parking lot. Yeah. Right. But we just didn't, we could never visualize that to be true and we never trusted that. That's why we always kept going. And I mean, for multiple years, like we said, we had started hunting that spot in 16 or scouting it in 16. And all the time up until they killed the buck with the muzzleloader, we had always went past that spot because for whatever reason, I think mostly because our scouting and hunting mostly took place further in there, we had never seen an example of one up close and we, and we never necessarily believed it to be true. You just, I think we just, we were the victims of generalization, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of hunters go through. Oh, <laughs> we had to go deep to the deepest part. Yes. <laughs> and you, you've got to understand these things are individuals. There are some of them that, as we've discussed here, just show up. Uh-huh. They haven't been there in two months, and they're just there. I mean, they've been living a half a mile away, but they haven't been coming that direction. There's video, trail camera video, on Halloween morning back in, oh, shoot, 2014. Me and Squirrel, Jared Keeson, were hunting. It was that morning those deer were fighting in the hedge thicket right yeah. in front of us. Yeah. That same morning when that was going on, my trail cameras were going bonkers out on a bean field 100 yards from a parking lot. And the biggest buck on that whole property that we've been watching for like two years worked mm -hmm. that scrape at 9.30 a.m. in the morning within, eye, within eyesight of the trucks that are parked yeah. there hunting that area. Uh -huh. And, like, that was a camera I put over that scrape because I'm like, it's all going to be nighttime. Like, no buck is going to use this thing during daylight because people got stands all around this field. Like, well, every yeah, time you walk out in this field, there's there. two decoys it? in it because there's guys sitting <laughs> in ladder stands around it. I've got they're a, all over a good example of how crazy things get out there especially like as the rut progresses like during the nighttime especially that buck that my mom killed a couple of years ago that we just like it's just like it's like a five-year-old buck which there's not a lot of those they don't get that old too often around their house they right local good, legend good size <laughs> antlers but it's like bucks just don't get mature it just doesn't the habitat doesn't set up right for a rifle season it doesn't seem like but this old boy just you know he had his his route or whatever and uh, I got home to my around my parents' place, and uh, I was just shining around the block. It was like uh, eight o'clock at night. It had just gotten dark not too long ago, and I'm filming these two but like I, I I'm filming these two bucks fight like not far from my parents' house, two miles away probably, and then <laughs> the cell camera goes off. This huge buck, like the the big one that we're you know everybody's trying to kill around there. He goes past that cell camera. And he must have heard those bucks like two miles away, right? Like, cause it's a dead calm night. They're just, and they were going all out, you know, it was loud. You could hear it. I'm sure he could hear it from that far away. <laughs> he just like, there's a picture, a blurry picture of him running past this camera. I go home and get Crystal, go back out there. And he's already where the bucks are fighting at. Jeez. And he's like pushing them off and he's got the doe. He just like, there's a fight going on. They're fighting over a doe miles that way like within Boom. minutes i win yep <laughs> i win yeah and then the next day he's probably right there yeah they were in a lady's backyard where she's it's an old grown-up cemetery it's let it's like a half acre of, of trees around her house but they probably never leave the yard so he's just got her in this weird spot right up against a pretty busy road oh there's a lot of things that go on that we don't even think about after the sun <laughs> goes yeah, down yeah, like they just keep coming and go mm -hmm. 
the things are just you could have guys hunting those areas on public land every single day for a week and then the next day the the thing that i keep coming back to is a hot sign don't lie mm-hmm. if it's really really fresh and it's brand new regardless of what they else is going back, on but there's sound that moved through that area that other bucks are going to be following probably. yep that he was right here within the last a lot of times you can tell he was right here in the last 24 48 that hours but that buck this year i think it's just like yeah we got to a spot where it's like all right we've seen how many bucks mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just and you're just like i'm coming back here in the morning i'm like yeah it seems like you're probably kill one yeah <laughs> not far off the road two opportunities no. within the first hour probably yeah uh, yep. right away they were just coming right along that edge of transition There's we found that scrape right that moved through that spot and it seemed uh-huh. like and it was different bucks every time oh so yeah but they're all following the same i mean it's a river bottom so they're just yeah. running up and down it i'm sure yeah wherever the does are at the center stuff. of that river bottom there wasn't nothing we walked all the way back in there it was like big rubs big sign but it was two or three weeks old we didn't run into a deer period until we started getting back in there closer to that little section where me and benjamin ran into that all those mm-hmm. bucks like that 10 bucks in one doe and close to mm-hmm. where you killed that one mm-hmm. it's like for whatever reason those bucks and does decided to rut in that one pocket of that bottom yep. for like yep. a week and a half <laughs> and they were just there every time and the rest of the bottom was void of them there just wasn't hardly any deer well it's kind of like why but that's just where they went that like this year at the public land challenge everybody was seeing some decent movement here and there and then john lewis was just all of a sudden a, he just was in a like mecca just five six shooters in one day just ridiculous and it doesn't seem like those are the type of spots you can just like all right i'll go do that again at the same time no you can't yeah, exactly. watch it. it's just Random, running like, into it yeah they're just going crazy and they that's where they end up and they're they feel, feel secure enough and it just works out for them and they're not getting spooked there for a while yeah i would say yeah it se- it does seem to me like in november like when when somebody shoots a buck, it's just like, I mean, I just think of a whole bunch of examples where it's like, man, that spot is just hot right yeah. now. Like, mm-hmm. just crazy just hot. It, it, does, it, it doesn't even make, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you don't even, it, it's like when the turkeys are gobbling real hard and just being, they're alone and they're just doing anything you want them to. It's like, you don't even have to be good. No. It's just like, these things you just have to be in. there. Same <laughs> thing with like, when you find that, that, travel corridor where the bucks are cruising through for whatever you know whatever the reason in that particular year or time it's like yeah, well just get in there and put your time in Would you say that's like, when you're covering the most ground though yeah too yeah. I mean, that time of year yeah. just trying to find that because i'd say that's the case for me it's just like pretty aggressively moving around until you find oh yeah that. if we're like sitting somewhere and not seeing anything sitting all day can work great if you're in if you're in that spot you got to be. I mean, it there. can even work if you're sitting in a funnel and you're yeah. catching a yeah. buck when he's going between A and B. Well, and if that's a style, but if it's, it's a style that you like too, I, I think I've just realized that I, while I can, I'd like to just kind of move around. <laughs> I'd rather be in the action at this yeah. point because I, we are all pretty opportunistic hunters. It's not like we're waiting on the mega giant only buck that's boy. living there. Yeah, and in some of these situations, if you if you get in the pocket of hot does or where the rut is happening there's going to be multiple bucks in there that you'd uh-huh. shoot and you just have to be close enough to that to eventually get a killing opportunity yeah i mean the, the funnels were good too um it's just a mi- different mindset it's like you're going to sit there in that spot for two weeks or you're going to sit there all day long every tuesday for the entire month of november you know and I until one i'd argue that it might even by. be a better strategy it's just 
for me, it's just not it's, nearly as fun. It's I not. Think, it's just you no. got to have extreme patience to uh-huh. be able to do it so until I, one does exactly what you want them to do. But I feel like anymore, we almost know. Um, you you kind of know in those some of these funnels if they're there or not, yeah. or if they're about to use it. Yeah. Not every time. When we say sit on a funnel, I think of of it like this. Imagine hunting one of these big transition lines around here that we hunt all the time, where it's like. Every once in a while, you go down that transition line, and there's big scrapes, and it's hot, and right now it's hot. It's the same funnel transition line that you would set up on all day, every day, if you that's your style. It's just that we are seeking it to be hot right now instead of sitting there waiting day in and day out for it to come to us. Right. We're just trying to find it. Like It's... It's the same spot. It's just hunting it whether when it's really hot or when it's yeah, just kind of hot. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there the ninety five percent of the time you that can, he ain't there. Yeah, you I want to be there when he's there. Like you could still kill it. Like it doesn't have to be smoking hot for you to kill one that's a, a big buck that's coming through that spot. It's still an edge that he's gonna check. But like when the, there's the max number of does that are in heat in that area. That's what we're looking for. Is that mm-hmm. making sense? It's like it's yeah, the same spot. So, it's just whether there's so many ways to that we will get on something like that. Like this here, the first spot Roy and I went into after the public land challenge. We got back here, and there was we had a cell camera that was just blowing up. So we went in there and we were in hot sign or hot movement in there for like two days or three days, and then the next we you know we had a couple days where we're not on a whole lot, and then the we go into the spot where um, we were on that big eight-pointer. We just got up on that ridge and just hung out in there, basically. And like 10 o'clock, a bunch of deer started moving. And then we were in hot movement for that day, basically, where that big buck was running that doe all around. And then we looped down in there, and then I missed that one at like five yards. We basically just followed like that yeah we one followed him we saw him running this doe around and he took her way off this way so we just took off after him might as well not sit here anymore yeah <laughs> and then followed back in there and found a spot where it was like all right there's a bunch of stuff coming together so we just like bunch of like fence line and fields and all this stuff's meeting right here so we set up and then that buck came out um but then there was another little gap where we were not on a whole lot you know for a couple of days and then I think zone, <laughs> you went to Missouri or something. And you're like somebody ought to go into that uh, the river spot where you and Ben had hunted. So we, me and Jake, went in there the next day, and then we found a bunch of bucks in there. We so didn't it was have just to walk like too far. It's just like oh, there's a big nine yeah. looking at us with a doe. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like <laughs> the sign is just the sign is great to find, but it seems like then when it's like mid November, it's just kind of free for go till you find. I mean, literally. Well, I was thinking back around the other day, though. Him. Like, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, spook them. Run into them. Just find yeah. the action. Oh, big buck with a doe. Cool. We in the game. That's great. We're in the game. He <laughs> doesn't really running. care. He doesn't <laughs> really care that much about us, so we'll just keep following him. That has worked multiple times where we bump into him and we just keep following him and catch up to him and I mean, even in early season yeah. for that matter, it's, honestly. I was thinking, though, um, the biggest bucks that we've killed, like the biggest and oldest bucks, are either – they're either with does in the rut or it is a plan coming together before that where i was talking about a while ago where it's like all those clues this story of this sign makes perfect sense where he's at like we know um we almost know and anticipate it 
going it's going to happen this way and then it does yeah. mm-hmm. it's like seems like the biggest bucks we've killed have uh, have worked that way in the early season or in october or they've been with does in the middle of the rut mm-hmm. so i guess where i'm going with that is like how many because see we've only been we, we spent a lot of years hunting in funnels all day long i've spent more time in my life doing that than i have running around the woods trying to find the action in the rut mm-hmm. and the biggest bucks that i've ever killed none of them came from that tactic just by happenstance i ain't saying that it don't work it obviously does but it seems like i mean we've killed a lot of like nice younger bucks sitting in funnels that are out cruising for does mm-hmm. but the big big rams those guys <laughs> yeah I mean, those guys got the gals like the first one i think of is like the the story from the longest ago that i remember is the that decoy eight that you shot in the buck nest it's just like that was a whole progression of a thing like you guys going in there finding it scouting in the off season correct yeah did, what did you find it during season was it the first time you went in there no yeah, we scouted in the in off there. season we'd and then we found there. it the day before that was a lot of time i mean the year that we killed that buck and the year after that was our favorite spot ever i would say oh, gosh. <laughs> we, we, were in we there had so, so many much. pictures of that buck <laughs> yeah. the decoy buck i don't yeah. even know where the trail camera pictures are i lost them they're on your dell dude oh yeah i still got that old dell yeah we had pictures of that buck every once a week for a month and a half and he was he was on that camera at that creek crossing in the middle of the night from end of september through the beginning of november mm-hmm. he was there he was there every single week mm-hmm. and we never once saw him during the day until that hot doe was in there yeah and he had he basically had booted all those other bucks mm-hmm. out of that area and he had her pinned down mm-hmm. that was when he had let his guard down to the point where we could manipulate him a little bit with the calling and the decoy yeah but i mean i think back to like your new york buck that thing was with the doe oh yeah um the north dakota buck and the nebraska buck that you killed both of those were bedded Mm -hmm. Um, yeah those are bedded those were bedded in like those were like very strategic types of hunts Mm -hmm. you know what i mean oh yeah the only big one that we killed that was cruising was his in missouri that mm-hmm. I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I can't the really think ones. of a buck that was the one. I, the one that I shot in the timber nest, which it's hard to say how. That, I mean, that wasn't like the biggest, oldest buck, but nice buck. He was kind of cruising, checking. He was yeah. looking for a doe. It seemed like, but yeah. yeah, I can't really, I can't really think of one. Well, the one that we shot in fifteen, but that was mid November. He was kind of just checking scrapes. Like that was a situation. You know what I'm talking about. The the long track with Parente in 15. Oh, yeah, but that was earlier in the that year. That was earlier in the that year. That was earlier in October, and we set up specifically over that. Yeah. Like, that was a bedding area scrape. Mm-hmm. He was right on the edge of the thick stuff coming yeah. out and doing what he was supposed to. Yeah. Like, I mean, we... So it's a, it's a plan. It's basically a plan that we visualized coming together well, well before it. But to me, this is what mobile hunting means, is you're constantly looking for the action versus having these predetermined setups that you're just going to go in in the dark with no prior knowledge to if it's fresh or not. So what I think of is like going to my grandpa's and getting into a a stand that was hung on the logging road where it's like, I could go in there on November 6th, but if I don't, I'm just, I'm going to that spot and I'm going to sit there and make get, get daylight and there's nothing fresh. Yeah. It's like, it's different than, 
you know, if you scout your way and find something and set up. Does, is that yep. making sense? It's like it's the yep. same spots. It's just whether or not it's hot. Well, the or spots not. aren't just always hot. Mm-hmm. There, there's times when they're there and there's times when they ain't. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, there's some spots that are good enough to be good every single year. Yeah. There's some that are only good once every three or four years. Right. Depending on a litany of factors. Yeah. The best it's, way to know that type of stuff too is if, if it's legal where you're at to spotlight. That's a good yeah. way to do it. Or trail cameras. Or scout. Yeah, or get just out and just burn if, if they're there. Boots. The nice thing about it, if you can spotlight, is you don't have to go walking in there. Yep. You know, you can just. <laughs> but I like to have my boots on the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I like to have my boots on the ground where I know there's a buck. Though, yeah, too. I do. I, too. I would say I too, in, in addition to spotlighting and being being mobile, we we find a lot of them driving around. Yeah, driving. Yeah, we just I find like a lot of them out of the truck. Uh-huh. I mean, even literally. If not, even if it's not a buck, it's just like you can cruise around and it's like, all right, there's deer coming out to this field yeah. in the daylight, obviously. Like I saw 10 does here last week right off the road. We should probably go in there and look. And then you go in there and it's like, holy circus. But even then, yeah. you know, just driving around in a big timber setting, I think that's something that is like, um, it's if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I can't just drive around. There's not just fields to look at. Well, I mean, there's still stuff to look at. Hey, like, where deer cross the yeah, road. You never know what's going to. I mean, you know. we were in the middle of the timber a um, couple winters ago. And actually, it was technically still season, but we were just going in to scout a spot. This is late, would have been late Ohio season. Look up on the hill, driving down the road, shed, mature shed buck, big old bases and it's just like he's literally standing right there and you know it's like still bow season we were all tagged out but we could we could somebody a guy could legally hunt that deer we're driving around it's nothing but timber for ever you know yeah this is like there he is just driving around so i mean and just checking things out i I, the other reasons i like to drive around that time of the year or or in that setting i suppose is, is you can also just look at varying food sources. You can see sign from the road. You can just cover ground faster. You're not getting maybe as high detail, but you can cover ground faster. You can see a lot of stuff really quick. And it doesn't always have to even mean seeing the deer. Mm-hmm. That helps, but sometimes just get an idea where trails are, crossing roads and stuff like that. Yep. Makes a big difference. We got to wrap up. It's 4 o'clock. What do you think, Pug? Let's wrap her up. All right, it's wrapped up. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Sick.